Hi, wonderful to have you back again this week joining us here on the show. My guest today is Terry Rice. Terry is an entrepreneur magazine expert in residence. He creates content to help people overcome setbacks, seize opportunities, and achieve peak performance. And as you'll hear, we're going to look at a bunch of things today, including how Terry got started, how he's made the transition from someone just like you and me to being on stage, contributing to publications like Forbes, Entrepreneur Magazine, and delivering keynotes to organizations like Google. How did he do that? Where did he start from? What are his personal recipes for success? And today we're going to look at a couple of things. One, his personal philosophy. What is his high-performance playbook? What defines him, describes him, motivates him, and drives him? How does he commit to a high-performance schedule? What does that mean? Terry will describe his working day, the, the contributor part of the day, or the maker part of the day, in the first half of the day, and then how he manages or administers his business in the second half of the day, and he explains it much better than I can. And then the what-if technique, how we can use divergent, convergent thinking to make key decisions. And Terry uses public speaking gigs as an example to bring that concept to life. This is the Training Business Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hey, welcome to the Training Business Podcast. This is the weekly show for self-employed consultants, trainers, coaches, people like you and me, people making money from their knowledge, their experience. If you've got courses in mind or you've developed courses or books or keynotes you're thinking of writing and delivering, you're in the right place because every week we've got guests on the show who've done those things and want to share their recipes and journey with you. I'm a self-employed trainer, a coach and author, and I've made loads of mistakes and I like guests to explain their mistakes and their recipes for success. If you've not yet done so, please click on follow or subscribe to be notified of great episodes as they come out every single Thursday. It costs absolutely nothing and takes only a couple of seconds. Terry, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. You're based in New York right now. Yeah, yeah, I'm here in Brooklyn. Okay. Yes, I know Brooklyn. The reason we're talking is because you have quite a brand. In fact, you're recognized as an entrepreneur magazine expert in residence. We'll come to define that for people listening momentarily. You've been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Entrepreneur Magazine, etc., etc. You're currently involved in a range of things. You're a LinkedIn instructor, uh, contributor, and podcast host. And you're also involved as an adjunct instructor at the New York University School of Professional Studies and Marketing. That sounds like a lot. Talk us through the beginning. How did you get to where you are today by telling us where you started from? Yeah, sure thing. And, and I'll preface it by saying it sounds like a lot, but these are all just different spokes off my zone of genius. So speaking, consulting, teaching, it's all based on my zone of genius. So I know it sounds like a lot, but it's not like fragmented in regards to what I'm focusing on. And I think it helps for people to realize that. Otherwise, it does seem like almost overwhelming. But I spent the first 10 years of my career in corporate. I was a digital marketer, a digital marketing consultant, actually, working with pretty large brands. So Delta, Amazon, Best Buy when they're in, in their heyday. 
And I worked at both Adobe as well as Facebook, helping brands monetize either paid search uh, at Adobe or paid uh, Facebook ads when I was at Facebook. And that was fun, especially in the beginning of my career, because it was so cool being able to see like the logos from brands I was working with as I was walking around Brooklyn. Wow, there's a FedEx truck. There's a UPS truck. That's my client, so on and so forth, uh, even Disney. And, um, and that was great. But around 2015, I wanted to make a shift. Like 10 years in my business, I wanted to make a shift because I was going through both a lifestyle change and just a shift in my purpose for what I wanted to do. Uh, mm-hmm. At the time, I was at Facebook and just not living the healthiest life whatsoever. I was drinking every night. I was eating junk food and I wasn't exercising whatsoever. And at the same time, uh, my wife and I were pregnant with our first child. So I was like, okay, this is not going to work out too well for this kid if I don't get my stuff together. So I um, ended up leaving Facebook and then starting my own business. But I would say the biggest problem or biggest mistake I made at that time where there was two one is I just assumed I had to stick with digital marketing as my zone of genius in the service that I offered. And the other is I did not get help sooner in regards to how to structure a business, how to price my services, how to uh, attract clients, so on and so forth. So uh, it was almost embarrassing because I have an MBA, right? I went to business school. So I did, you know, a bajillion business plans when I was in school, did zero for my own business <laughs> and things didn't go too well. <laughs> Isn't that the way? It's funny. Yeah. And then so what happened is I discovered what I call the golden link. And I'll say it again, the golden link. This is a great opportunity for anyone who's trying to get in front of their target audience at scale. Uh, What I would do is I started reaching out to organizations such as the Brooklyn Chamber of Commerce. So a local organization that supports entrepreneurs. And instead of just messaging all the individual members, which I tried previously, I said, hey, can I do some kind of free event for your audience, like digital marketing for founders? What do you say? They said yes to that. And I show up, they give me this conference room in downtown Brooklyn. There's like 60 people there waiting to hear me speak. And I'm like, holy cow, like, this is amazing because I know some of the people there, I know I messaged because they had very unique names. I'm like, oh, now you're here because, you know, someone else invited you, so on and so forth. But from that event, I actually got two clients. And that's when I realized that speaking for me was the easiest way to grow my brand and get clients. And I've been, I've been doing that for the last seven years and helping other people do it as well. And are you uh, represented these days by some agency or is this all stuff you're organizing yourself? Yeah, let's talk about that because my issue is I'm attracting speaking engagements. So I've spoken at Berkshire Hathaway, Google, South by Southwest, like, you know, you name it. Mm. But I'm not proactively looking for engagements the way I should be. So I am signed on with one bureau. I'm going to sign on with more. But my next step is to have a speaker agent who's actively representing just me to get more of these deals. Because if all these other companies are coming to me, it seems like I should probably reach out to some and see if they want me to speak there as well. Okay, so all these things you've got going on, you're also an advisor and expert in residence at SPI. Now, for those of us who are podcasters, uh, many of you will recognize SPI, Smart Passive Income, begun way back in the day, 2008, I think, by Pat Flynn, who has been a huge influence in, to me, at least in terms of uh, inspiring me to start podcasts. And um, you've been involved with that organization, SPI, but you've also gone on to really grow your own brand, Terry Rice Coaching and Consulting. If I said to you, who are the kinds of people you help and what do they come to you for knowing what you do, what would you say? I'm going to give you a very interesting response because you're catching me at a very interesting time. If you asked me that question four months ago, 
I would have said I help entrepreneurs, typically solopreneurs, build their brand and revenue. And that could be anything from how do you present yourself on LinkedIn? How do you price your services? How do you land speaking gigs that you not only get paid from, but get paid through? And that was my bread and butter. That's what I really enjoy doing. But uh, I was at a speaking engagement uh, for a company called ConvertKit uh, mm. in June. And for the first time ever, I was more open about my backstory and my career and some of the ups and downs. And one of the most traumatic things that happened was I lost my son, TJ, at birth. So I lost my son. And it's impossible to go through an experience like that and not change to an extent because like, he has the same name as me. So I'm like literally looking at my own tombstone. And in that moment, I was like, I have to make some kind of change in my life. But it didn't, it didn't actually happen until I opened up about it publicly. And I did so on that stage uh, at ConvertKit. And it was amazing the response I got. But one person specifically stood out. This person came over and said, look, I don't want to be too intrusive. But you know, my, um, my friend actually you know, lost her son as well. And she's burying him today. And his name is also TJ. And I told her your story, how you bravely got on that stage and told his story to honor his legacy. And it gave her some comfort. And that's when I knew, wow, I'm, I'm really on to something. So to answer your question, what I'm doing now is thinking, you know, what is my unique ability? What are the things that I'm really good at and my voice is needed in the conversation? And it's resilience. It's helping other people develop the same resilience I have to overcome setbacks, to seize opportunities and achieve, and achieve peak performance. Because during the first two years of my, my business, I had a kid, then I lost my father, then I lost my son, and then my older brother had a stroke, which unfortunately left him paralyzed, and he's lived in assisted living since then. So hmm. I've made it through all this stuff while all the stuff you talked about, while teaching at NYU, while being on Good Morning America, while being in the Wall Street Journal, while speaking at South by Southwest. So if I don't tell that story of what I was going through to achieve these things, I don't think it's, it's as inspirational to people or as helpful, to be honest. And I guess, and thank you for sharing that. And I just can't even begin to understand what that feels like. I, I, some of the things you mentioned, um, I experienced four miscarriages. That was terrible. I can't even begin to understand what it's like to lose some of the people so close to you in the sense you've described. And I'm curious how often people seem to feel we've to mask that. My LinkedIn profile is all about the things I've achieved, not necessarily what's made me who I am. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up because I'm going to be doing a speaking engagement at Google pretty soon about how to be a performer, high performer at work and as a father. And as a result of that, I now have father in my title <laughs> on LinkedIn, because to your point, that's that's who I am, right? You know, everything we talked about is what I do, but who I am, you know, is a father of five, is a husband, and mm. hopefully a good person who's trying to help people out. So I think the more we really just realize that your title does not define you, there's a freedom in being able to express who you actually are. And the funny thing is people give you opportunities because they feel connected to you. So opportunities could be speaking, it could be clients, it could be you know, media, it doesn't really matter. But if you hold all that pain inside, sometimes they don't even recognize the fact that you know you are this more complete person. But if you do release it, you get paid for who you are, not just what you do. If you... Define then for us the kinds of organizations that uh, you know connect with Terry Rice and hire Terry Rice and pay Terry Rice and demand Terry Rice back. Who are they and and why do they work with you specifically? They're typically organizations that aren't just mission driven to say they're mission driven. They literally are. Like they they live and breathe it on a daily basis, and they realize bringing in someone like me. So you know, Google in this example to say, look. 
I know you want to be a high performer. That's great. But can't you take that same drive and apply it to your, your, your family life, you know, to being a parent? Mm-hmm. And my goal is to just inter- present pattern interrupting thoughts by exposing things that are just very simple techniques you can use, but are unfortunately rarely utilized. But if you do actually implement them, you can become a high performer again in both aspects of your life, both personal and professional. So that's why they bring me in. I think the reason why they bring me back is because when you're when I'm, when I'm on stage, you can care. You can tell I actually care. I'm engaging with the audience and I'm not running back to the green room when I get off either. I'm actually in the audience now answering questions because I'm there for connection, but I also want to learn from the audience too, because the more feedback I get from them, the better content I can create. So I think the reason why I get invited and get invited back is because it's clear I actually want to be there. Okay. And to many people, those names sound almost impossible to attract as clients, but you found a path. Um, And it sounds like Part of what's attracted them is one of the first things we'll talk about today for people listening is the importance of creating a personal philosophy. Now, some people will say, what's personal got to do with business? And I think you've touched upon that. So how does someone go about creating a personal philosophy and what's the relevance to their brand as an expert, as an author, as a course creator? Yeah, so a personal philosophy is simply a combination of words that describe you at your best. Right. So if you want to make your own personal philosophy, you would think, you know, who am I at my best? Am I patient? Am I considerate? Am I bold? Am I creative? So on and so forth. And then you want to have some kind of phrase that you can tie back to that. And on my end, I think about, you know, who am I at my, my best? I think about my legacy. How do I want to be remembered at my best? So my personal philosophy is live your legacy. In that way, at any given moment, I can think, okay, what's the legacy you want to leave behind? Okay, I want to help people. I want to be a patient father. I want to be a good husband. So in any given moment, if my son, like pretend it's Tyson, it's always Tyson who's acting up, I can think, okay, am I going to like yell at this kid? Ah, that's not how I want him to remember me. That's not my legacy. So you can check back in on your personal philosophy and say, all right, live your legacy. This would not be a way to do so. So be more calm, be more patient with him. And it expresses itself in business too, because maybe it's your morals in this case, right? Like pretend some client comes to me and says, Hey, we have this like pyramid scam. We want to get you involved in it. We're going to give you a bunch of money. Well, no, because that's not the legacy I want to leave behind. How do we buy this house? Dad ripped a bunch of people off. You know what I mean? (laughs) So when you, when you have a personal philosophy, you can often just check in on it to help yourself make difficult decisions and, or maybe calm yourself down when you're experiencing overwhelm as well. You've also addressed the point of committing to a high-performance schedule. Now, I can see from your LinkedIn profile, uh, you're someone who's quite active physically. Fitness plays a part in what you do. You mentioned diet as well. Um, Give us an example of your schedule, because to many people, those who are successful consistently, having a schedule or a routine plays a, a large part in that consistent success. So what is yours, Terry? Yeah, I mean, I, I love the saying, discipline is destiny. Because you're, you shouldn't look at your goals necessarily, look at your habits and systems. That's where you're going to be, you know, in two to five years. So on my end, and I want to stop to say, high performance is based on your definition, not mine. You perform at your highest level, I perform at my highest level, but I should not have, not have any influence on what you're describing as high performance. But, um, but essentially, I think, okay, what do I want to accomplish in life? Again, I want to be a a good husband, a good father. I want to be physically fit. I want to create content that helps people overcome setbacks and seize opportunities. So what I'll do is I'll jot down, okay, well, how many hours per week do you need to do this? And what's the best time to to do this as well? 
So a typical day, let's say it's a Monday, I'm going to wake up around 5 a.m. And I'm not going to do any work work at that time. I might learn something. I might listen to a podcast. I might like kind of get some ideas for content ready. But I'm not going to do intense work at that time because I know at any given moment, one of my four children is going to wake up and disturb me. And in the past, that would irritate me. So I thought to myself, okay, well, stop doing work that if you get interrupted, you will be irritated. Easy solve, right? The kids aren't going to stop, <laughs> you know, so you have to make an adjustment. So between five and six, that's what I'm doing. Uh, between six and 730, uh, let's call it eight o'clock, we're getting them ready, getting dropped off at school. And then at eight o'clock, I'm at my gym. And I class doesn't start till nine o'clock. I do CrossFit. So from eight to nine, I'm engaging on social media. I might be answering some emails real quick. I often create video content on the fly while I'm there too, because I have time. So I may as well work out from nine to 10. I'm home by 1030. I normally don't take any kind of calls until 11 o'clock. And a conversation like this would be great, right? But I wouldn't do any kind of deep, heavy, like admin type calls because I save that for the afternoon. So in the morning, I'm either doing something that's creative, so it could be writing, or something that involves critical thinking skills, right? So it could be biz dev. After that, take a break, um, might grab some lunch, go for a walk or something, or just go on my roof, stare at the star or stare at the sky, whatever it is. Then the back half of the day, that's when I'll talk to people in a more formal way, right? So there could be meetings, it could be, uh, could be coaching my clients, uh, anything along those lines, maybe logistics, stuff like that. But I follow what I call a maker schedule and a manager schedule. And I got that from Y Combinator. Uh, oh, yeah, of course, the um, startup uh, group. Helping. Yeah, yes. Yeah. It's funny. I actually went to high school with one of the founders. Um, I should probably should talk to him more. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but um, so what they do as a company is they don't have meetings the first half of the day. They're like, this is your maker's time. Create something. And then in the back half of the day, they have what's called their manager schedule. That's when they have the team meetings, the check-ins, so on and so forth. So you have a good four hours of uninterrupted work of work time to do creative stuff, critical stuff, and you can actually get stuff done. I structure my life the same way. And for those of you listening, you might think, oh, Terry, that's so, so hard. How do you get people to work around that schedule? It's not easy. You have to enforce it. You have to establish boundaries. And sure, at certain times, like if The Rock is like, hey, Terry, I want to talk to you at nine o'clock. I'm not going to say, hey, The Rock, I got to go work out. I'm going to say, okay, let me, <laughs> let me move some things. But again, discipline is destiny. And the more disciplined you are, the more likely you are to achieve the destiny that you want to achieve. That sounds very simple, but very powerful. I quite like that. And as I was listening to you describe that, I thought, why don't I do that? Which is a maker time in the morning when I've got space to think, you know, I'm awake, I've had a good coffee, I've got some time to create an outline for a course. And um, that then my energy levels drop off in the afternoon. And that's perhaps the time to do more client-facing stuff. Now, people might think, well, that sounds a bit irresponsible. You're going to wait till the afternoon till you're less focused to have client meetings. But I, I get what you're coming from, where you're coming from, which is the fact that unless we're actually producing, as opposed to administering or managing, we're not really going to set ourselves up for long-term financial success. And also maybe health and spiritual success. So it sounds like you're prioritizing health after family and then into work. Is that right? It is because I, I know I exercise better in the morning too. And I know if I wait till the afternoon, something's going to make me skip it. Something will come up, right? Hmm. And if you go back to my days when I worked in corporate, I was about 240 pounds, not in the best shape. And again, like drinking every night and like, you know, garbage. Hmm. Now I'm doing great. So 
I know what happens when you have that discipline. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not difficult. And that's the thing that kind of, I don't want to say drives me nuts, but people ask me, Terry, how do you, how do you work out so much? I make a decision. How do you write so much content? I make a decision. Like it's all in my routine. And if you just commit to the routine, you get the outcome you're looking for. So I think there, there's this quote, I don't want to botch it, but like, you're going to suffer with like one of two pains, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. The only difference is discipline weighs ounces, yet the pain of regret weighs tons. So you're going to be in pain. You're going to be uncomfortable either way, right? And the more that you realize that time management is pain management, I got that from my buddy near Isle, in case he's listening, then you realize, look, there's no getting out of this stuff. <laughs> there's no easy way out, right? Like consistency is the only cheat code. So that's why discipline is destiny. It's it's so simple. But to your point, why don't people do it? I don't know. That's what I want to, that's why I want to coach people and say, look, if you want to achieve the stuff I've done, if you want to speak on stages, if you want to be featured in Forbes, if you want to do all this stuff, even while you've gone through the death of a child, death of your father, so all this other stuff, here's what it is. And that's something I can package and sell. But if you're saying, Terry, how did you do it? I mean, I can show you my routines, but we're all unique people. But I can give you routines that will lead to your desired outcome if you just follow them. And I'm here to coach you to help you do it. Right. And so the kinds of people you're working with, they're, they're typically from a corporate background or are they also solopreneurs? They're like, often people yeah. who are corporate and either want to start a side hustle mm. or they're about to leave corporate. And the majority of people that, are, that I'm working with that are independent already, they had a very large, a good corporate career. And they're already doing well. They're not like, hey, Terry, I'm trying to make, you know, 100,000 bucks, you know, this year. It's like they're doing well. And they realize, gosh, if I could just have a slight improvement to what I'm doing, like even another 20% per year would be incredible. And it's not just business, though. They're like, hey, I'm sick of like not seeing my kids enough. I'm sick of being distracted when I'm around my family. How can I hone in on that? And I can teach them about mindfulness as a result of that. So it's not all about like, hey, how do I make more money? It's like, look, I make a lot of money, but I'm miserably successful right now. And I don't want to feel this way anymore. And that's something I can pull them out of. Miserably successful. <laughs> I quite like that. Um, what do you mean by the what if technique in brackets, divergent and convergent thinking? Yeah. So I have this program called Forge, which is a program you can go through to help you create, uh, sorry, seize opportunities and also get over setbacks. And one of the tools that we use when you're forced, when you're stuck with an opportunity, you're like, you know, I don't really know what to do. I'm at a crossroad right now. How can I make this decision? There's a tool called simply what if. And let me give you some context because I think it's better if you actually have a situation to apply it to. I was booked to do a speaking engagement in both uh, Las Vegas and Phoenix back to back next month. So back to back uh, speaking engagements. I live here in Brooklyn. So it's a hike. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, um, I'm down. I'll do it. But then the same, sorry, about a week later, uh, my buddy Near Isle, who's a Wall Street Journal bestselling author, said, hey, Terry, by the way, I'm having this dinner party uh, at my apartment. I'm in town. He lives in Singapore. Uh, do you want to come by? It's going to be me and a bunch of other authors who are um, you know, just going to have some good conversations. Now, the reason why th this I was stuck is because my goal for next year is to write a book about my program I talked to you about, as well as my experiences and all these high performers I've interviewed. So I'm like, well, shoot, if I can get in that room with Nier and all these other authors and publishers, that's, that's my vision, right? That's aligned with my vision. And unfortunately, those speaking engagements, they're aligned with that identity that I'm shifting away from, like the digital marketing guy. And, like, and, and that, was, that was an issue. Hmm. So I was like, okay, what if I go to this, this, this dinner party at Nier's? Heck, that's where I can meet the publisher who gives me this deal, who allows me to share my mission and my message with the world. 
And I'm almost like cutting to the front of the line because I'm meeting people face to face. You know what I mean? It's like, like I, I love remote work, but there's there's nothing like being face to face with people, right? And part of my my presence is my stature, to be honest, right? I'm six four and I work out, right? Great. So I just look like someone you should probably you know try to help out. So then I thought, okay, well, what if I go to that party? What if I ditch out on this other speaking engagement? You know, what are they going to think? Right? That's not that's that's that goes against my values, right? That's not showing integrity, right, or commitment. So I made the very tough decision of reaching out to that organization and following that what if um, down to the proper path and saying, look, I can't lead this engagement anymore. But instead of lying, I just told the truth. I said, I've enjoyed partnering with you over the, la- over the last few years, but I'm shifting in how I want to help people. And this opportunity to be in this room, is just, it's just too big or too great to give up. But I found someone else who can take my place. She's been prepped. She's ready. You've, you've heard of her before. She would be a great person to bring on. That was a tough email to write and easy decision to make because of the what if tool. And then they got back to me. They said, hey, Terry, look, we support you. We, we love everything you're doing. Don't worry about it. We're wishing you success. Let us know how we can help you with this, in fact. And by the way, thanks for connecting us with Cynthia. So here's what happened after that. They followed up two hours later with a different opportunity that paid five times more than the one I walked away from <laughs> and I can do from Brooklyn. Oh. And then beyond that, Cynthia was just overjoyed because she's trying to start her, her speaking career. And for her to partner with this organization who's already ready to fly her out to Vegas and in, in, um, in Phoenix was just transformational for her. So I was like, wow, that actually worked. <laughs> right? Like I got what I needed and more. And the other company got what they needed and more. And then my friend Cynthia is now launching her speaking career by working with this prestigious institution. Right. That's the power of what if. So we're doing divergent thinking or sorry, uh, yeah, divergent thinking. Okay, what are the options? What can I do? And then converging on a decision and then committing to it. But that goes back to another tool. And I know I'm rambling on here in the um, in the arsenal, which is your vision. What is your vision for the future? And I'm very clear on mine. So I can look at opportunities and say, is this aligned with my vision for the future? Yes or no? If the answer is no, it makes it even easier to pass. Yeah, that makes sense. What What is your vision for yourself? And then things which take you towards that are things you say yes to and things which don't are things you say no to. But um, as you alluded to, not always easy. Um, before we wrap up, you, you've mentioned speaking quite a few times. What, what do you think are some tips for people to get speaking engagements, whatever about paid or even well-paid speaking engagements? The reason I ask is that I completely agree with you, Terry. Whenever I've spoken, I always come away with something, either a compliment or I get a referral, a recommendation, or some other form of um, opportunity comes my way. What would you say to people who have not yet made that leap and um, want to be on stage but have no speaker reel or have no contacts or no way to get in front of an event planner, etc.? Yeah, I think the first thing is to have a framework. What is your signature framework? So if you're talking about how people can be better better moms, maybe the framework is mom. Like M stands for something, O stands for something, so on and so forth. But you mm. need a framework that only you can deliver, right? It shouldn't be like how to do Facebook ads because I've done that before. And it's like anyone can do that, right? So you need your own signature framework. Mm. Then I'd also say don't focus on getting paid gigs initially because you'll get more reps in if you do this for free. So you would reach out to organizations that already have access to your audience. So in my mm-hmm. case, it was the Brooklyn Chamber of Commerce and say, hey, I have this content I think would be great for your audience. Would you like me to share it with them? 
And then once you share that information, you're going to ask for feedback from the audience. Hey, everyone, if you take any pictures, by the way, please share them with me on social media. And by the way, just let me know one thing that you learned. So you take all that feedback. And the next time you want to pitch somebody else, you say, look, here's my topic. Here's the feedback I've gotten on it. I would like to do this again. And I would do that five times before even trying to get paid because initially you just need reps. You need reps. And I mean reps in front of an audience, not reps in front of the mirror. Like that's important. But my buddy, Anthony Trucks, he's an amazing uh, public speaker. He says, in the beginning, you have to get better at getting on stage, not better at being on stage. So get better at just landing opportunities. Don't just keep on practicing your craft. Get out there in the wild and actually practice it live. Because too many people are just talking to the mirror like, I got it. It's like, well, do you? <laughs> like, you're talking to the mirror right now. So that's what I would say. Have a framework and then find an organization that already has access to your audience. Offer to do it for free. Uh, ask for feedback and then use that feedback as third-party validation that you know what you're talking about. Wow. And you never know where you could end up talking to organizations like Google, as you mentioned. Uh, that's astonishing. So we'll wrap up now, Terry. I want to ask you one last question. Um, what is your vision for yourself once you've completed this pivot? And you know, with that in mind, where are you a year from now? Yeah. I'll, I'll say it this way. I mean, my vision and my dream is to have a studio in my home where I can always go down and record content. It could be video, it could be audio. And then after that, I want to be very active in my kid's life, like just too active. Because with my father, he was just always around. And I'm like, why is this guy always? I'm like, how do we have things? How are you always here? So I want to be that same guy for my kids or I'm at their practices, at their games, just showing up all the time. But really, it's creating content again, that helps people overcome setbacks and create opportunities for themselves through various forms. I'm actually starting a new podcast called Reclaim in Advance, where I'm bringing on some extremely high performers who will talk about the lowest point in their life and how they recovered from it and advice they will give to others as well. So that's the vision of my new podcast. But it's really just doing that. It's creating content, staying healthy and hanging out with my family. <laughs> it's, it's pretty basic. Terry, thank you so much for being my guest today on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Huge thanks to Terry for being our guest this week on the show. And you can find Terry online by visiting his website, terryrice.co, T-E-R-R-Y-R-I-C-E.co. All links mentioned in this week's episode will, of course, be available over on trainingbusiness.com. That's www.trainingbusiness.com. More episodes coming this month and, of course, a fresh episode of the show next Thursday on your podcast platform of choice. If you've not done so yet, please click on follow, please click on subscribe, or whatever that button is on your podcast platform of choice. Until next Thursday, look after yourself. Talk to you soon. Bye for now. Thanks once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. See you next time.